welcome to the Meetings Done Right podcast from TableXI. This is a 12-episode podcast that is in conjunction with the TableXI Inclusion Meeting Card Deck, uh, which you can find out more about at meetingsdoneright.co. Every episode of this podcast has a theme. Many of the episodes are about specific cards in the inclusion deck, but this one is more generally around building an intentional culture at your company. And we have a special guest, Nancy Pouch. Nancy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Nolan. Thanks for having me. Sure. My name is Nancy Pouch, and I am the Chief Evangelist of Stakeholder Value. That translates to President at Envision IT. Great. We are here to talk a little bit about building an, an intentional communication culture within your company. What does that mean to you? Like, What kinds of things do you try to do where you are? Yeah. Well, you know, when people ask who we are, we are a group of curious and compassionate people growing a soulful company. So, Mm. you know, we actually operate as a conscious business, which is intentional in itself. You know, intention is a big part of a conscious culture and a conscious business. So we're pretty mindful. Um, We're very clear on our purpose, which is enriching the lives of our stakeholders. And everything we do um, really is an intention to support that purpose. If that helps. And certainly communication is key to that. Mindful communication comes into play in so many parts of our business, certainly with our clients, with each other, in all parts of our business to to be effective, right? To be a successful business, certainly profitable as well as um, purposeful. I love it. And Nancy, that's sort of how we met through Conscious Capitalism. Tell our listeners a little bit more about that organization, if you would. So Conscious Capitalism is is a movement, and it's really just a movement grassroots from like-minded, I guess, leaders and businesses that are for-profit businesses, and there's nonprofits part of it too, but that operate their businesses in a conscious manner. So certainly unabashed capitalists, but really practicing going about business in a conscious, meaningful manner, and really conscious capitalism, the intention is to business elevating humanity. And, uh, Mm. you know, unfortunately, I think over the years, capitalism in some in some realms have certainly gotten a bad rap, right? Um, Deservedly so, deservedly so. And so, Many of us in the organization, in the movement, really believe business can be a force for good when practiced consciously, mindfully, and with care. And so, yeah, so we met there. So it's really like-minded, I guess you'd say, leaders that are lifelong learners looking to grow Mm -hmm. and interested in, in really making sure that their businesses are working for good. It was founded by John Mackey, who's the CEO of Whole Foods, and Rosh Sodia, who's a professor at Babson College, as well as a speaker and author. Um, he co-authored certainly the book Conscious Capitalism with uh, John Mackey, as well as a book with other co-authors called Firms of Endearment. And that was a big inspiration hmm. for for me, actually, um, and many of uh, the leaders here, you know, my peers here at Envision. Firms of Endearment, great book. I recommend it. I recommend it highly. What kinds of things do you do in your company culture specifically towards communication, specifically towards how you interact with each other in meetings that are things that were done intentionally, you know, with purpose? So around meetings, you know, one of the things, a couple of the things that we focus on, really the tenets that we follow as a business are, you know, communicating our purpose, our why, why we're here, right? And making sure that folks understand and can expand upon how they're contributing 
to their to that mission and that purpose. You know, so everyone is intentionally aware of their value and their contributions and acknowledged for them, certainly. Also, they're aware of our stakeholder orientation, which, you know, is certainly each other envisioners, our clients, our business partners, and our communities. And as conscious leaders, you know, we do a lot of self-work to make sure we're continuing to try to, to be an example. And I say, you know, that doesn't mean perfection by any stretch. And that also means showing a lot of our imperfections, um, which are abundant. And then, you know, to lead that conscious culture. So, so much of, and foster a conscious culture. So, so much of that, I guess you'd say when you're talking about our communication is really mindful communication and making sure that as much as we can, fostering that culture, I think fostering that conscious culture kind of lays the ground groundwork and the foundation for mindful, constructive, and productive communication. And I know, you know, with the inclusion cards, that's just so important. We naturally and consciously, um, it's kind of interesting because it's natural, but then we also foster it and, and, and focus on, you know, inclusion, certainly diversity, um, and equality, the DEI, because A, it's the right thing to do, right? And inclusion being so part of that with our communication is so important because we want everyone's contributions. You know, they're all valuable. We need everyone to participate and feel, I don't know that it's always comfortable, right? Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but support everyone even in their discomfort, right? To contribute because that's how I think we innovate, right? Is sharing ideas. When your company is comprised of people with diverse experience, diverse backgrounds, you know, if those aren't shared and their ideas aren't shared, that's doing a disservice to everyone. You know, certainly that person, their peers, the company, and then everyone we serve, right, beyond our company. So I guess I would say fostering a conscious culture is so important to laying the groundwork for inclusive communication and productive and constructive and caring communication, if that makes sense. Nancy, did Envision IT begin as a conscious capitalism company, or is that something that you brought in after it was founded? Envision IT has been around for, gosh, more than, uh, I guess, about 19 years now, 18, 19 years. I joined along with Bill Crane. We joined the founder, Bo Smithback, at the end of 2013. And it was a very good company at the time, certainly doing so many good things. Bill and I joined, I joined um, in the present role, Bill is our CTO, Bo is our founder and CEO. We met Bo just in passing, actually, it's kind of funny, we met Bo doing a favor, actually, for someone else, actually doing some good, and Bo was doing a favor for someone else, and we met happenstance. It's kind of interesting, because a few of us here, let me backtrack a little bit. A few of us here at Envision are what we call um, PE refugees or private equity refugees. We're old dogs in the industry. A lot of, I should say, experience, you know, had a lot of it, many years um, in the technology industry. And oftentimes in the technology industry, you're very familiar, Ashley, and Noel too, you may be too, but is very common. People build up their companies to sell them, right? And oftentimes it's sold to PE mm-hmm. or yep. or venture capital is injected, what have you. And then oftentimes the culture can change significantly. And I've certainly experienced that in my career. So, so going through it and actually experiencing that suffering kind of led me to the book Firms of Endearment. I was a bit on a personal growth journey, just experiencing kind of all those hardships. You know, I kind of went on this personal growth journey as well. And then Happenstance got introduced to the book Firms of Endearment, which kind of opened my eyes to saying, huh, you really can have a conscious business and an enriched life. I mean, they can, you can have a whole life mm-hmm. um, and a fulfilling, enriching, meaningful career can actually 
contribute significantly to that whole life. So, so I was kind of in the midst of that when meeting Bo and, and gave Bo the book Firms of Endearment and said, that's kind of what I want to be a part of and help build. And he said, that's what I'd like envisioned to be. Let's, you know, do this. And so Bill and I wow. joined and then we really continued our learning journey around, you know, conscious businesses and the tenets of conscious capitalism and then operationalized them here at Envision. So it was very intentional. And I guess you'd say we really formalized it and was full on intention when we joined, you know, we really did our, our work, self-work research, and then really looked at the business and did things very, very differently than um, most companies in our swim lane of technology. In fact, we turned it on its head. And those tenants of, you know, conscious business operationalized throughout our business model. So it kind of feeds the good. Everything kind of perpetuates the goodness, which is almost, like I said, on its head to the traditional business model mm-hmm. of um, companies in our swim lane of the technology industry. So what are the what are some of the things that you specifically do to operationalize this like on a day-to-day basis? We've operationalized it is, you know, certainly on what we focus on as far as services and product, it ranges all the way from our focus meaning optimization of many of the core systems and businesses today with a focus on the end user, right? And the end user experience all companies I know of ultimately are made up of people and people uh, we think are the most important part of any organization and any company. And so even just, you know, our focus of optimization, starting with the end user experience and then certainly considering high, you know, priority as well, security and flexibility for the business. You know, just even our focus of our services offerings and where we focus our time um, is one. Certainly how we care for envisioners um, and how we invest into their experience, both at work and outside of work. We're really trying to contribute to their whole lives. We have many examples of that. You know, and that includes also our compensation models. It, it's just soup to nuts. Everything is focused on our purpose of enriching the lives of our stakeholders and the experience that we all have here, making that as rich as possible and mindful. And, you know, so much of that too is providing meaningful work, right? I don't think many folks these days, at least many that I've had the privilege of knowing, are just going to work for a paycheck. You know, that's not the deal anymore. I think people want to participate um, and contribute with meaning. And that's, you know, one thing we can provide hopefully is, is that opportunity. One of the things then is how does that sort of respect for your employees manifest itself in the way that your employees communicate both like in meetings and sort of just in general, what are some of the things you do to foster good communication? And what are some of the things that you observe in your company that makes you think you're doing a good job? <laughs> well, we can always do better at, I will tell you, that's one thing we're pretty self, self-critical. Right. But is, is there something that you're proud of? You look at people interact and you go, yep, this is this is what we want. I tell you, I think mm-hmm. that's one of, we recently were in the running for Inc. magazines, you know, best places to work. And, and one of the things that came back from all of our surveys was all of our, the most common word that people, that envisioners used to describe envision and what they feel from leadership and the and the organization. And the most common word was caring. And we see that among envisioners. We see that among envisioners. It's just, it, we communicate with such care, right? So, so part of, of our conscious culture is really, you know, helping people to become emotionally intelligent, right? And we work with folks in so many different ways, but so much of that is self-awareness, right? And then other awareness. Mm-hmm. So, because you, you really need to be more self-aware to understand if, if your intention is to be a, a caring colleague, right? 
you darn well have to be aware of your interaction. So self-awareness is so important. Then, like I said, other awareness, because you can imply something, someone else can infer something from it, right? I mean, it's a a two-way. Sometimes you imply, um, sometimes Mm -hmm. you can say something very innocent to yourself, but someone else might infer because of their experience, right? So it's kind of that, and it's absolutely not walking on eggshells by any stretch. It's just being self-aware and other aware. So Noel, to your point around communication, I think we work really hard to say, oh my gosh, you know, I know I have a lot of energy. So boy, people keep the coffee away from me in the morning because they're like, woof, we can't have her on coffee too, right? Caffeine, zing, there she goes. So so self-aware that in meetings, for example, Noel, to your question, you know, in meetings, I have to be really conscious. You know, my enthusiasm sometimes gets... Um, a little much. So I have to be really conscious of sitting back and tempering that. I was listening to Mark and I think one of the podcasts with Mark and Katie when you guys were talking about the inclusion cards and I related so much to to what he was saying in that, you know, sometimes I think many conscious leaders and leaders in the technology industry that are also conscious leaders are often in, inspirational right? They're inspiring. And so that's a good thing. So you really have to kind of balance that, right? Because you want to continue to inspire, but Mm -hmm. there's a balance of certainly not taking over and your idea just because of your title Schmeidel, you know, being the best one by default, right? I really liked when Mark was talking about having, you know, only three opinion cards and really working to ask many questions. I think myself, our entire ELT here, all leaders here have to really focus on that to ask more questions. But, you know, I had mentioned we're all, you know, here naturally curious. So I think, you know, that's also inherent in us as individuals is we're interested in other people's input. We just, for me anyway, I really need to temper my enthusiasm sometimes. And maybe if it's not just tempering my enthusiasm, my communication of my enthusiasm. I can, you know, I, I certainly need to be aware of my facial expressions, too, because they can say a lot. I'm usually quite animated. And so I need to just really be that self-awareness. But, Noel, you know, with everyone, we need to ask questions and delve into the whys behind the why. I think that's really important, too. Um, with our meetings, one of the things we try to do is, and again, I think the inclusion cards, were, I'm really excited about them because they're, I want to say, like light reminders, meaning, you know, fun, certainly, right? But not critical reminders of sometimes of our own behaviors, right? And I think that's really important. I think, I think mm-hmm. we're at a stage where these would be really fun for us because we've done a lot, you know, quite a bit of self-awareness work. So they're like, oh yeah, that's right. So-and-so will go down, you know, the rat hole or so-and-so to beat the dead horse. But one of them that really gets to me is the present, being present. You know, one of the things that I think is important is that the present, you know, I know one of your questions that you had mentioned, I don't know if you want to ask me now or later, whatever, but one of the questions was, you know, what are your best meetings? What are your worst meetings? And I I don't know that I've ever had a catastrophic meeting. I mean, I think over time you kind of notice some broad strokes. And one of the things that I've noticed in meetings throughout my career that is probably the most disheartening is when people aren't present. Because I think that likely unintentionally implies that the meeting, the content of the meeting, or the other people in the meeting just don't matter. Right. And I think what's so meaningful to people is significance, being seen, heard, know that they matter. Right. So when you're not present in a meeting, you're not invested. I think that's one of the most disheartening things. Right. Is sending a message that either what someone is saying or the intent of the meeting just might not matter. And so the be present, you know, reminder, I think, is really important. But 
you know, one thing that we try to do with meetings is talk about the why for the meeting, what we're trying to be really clear about the intention of the meeting and what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then even the why behind the why, like this matters because, because, and oftentimes there is a domino effect. And so frivolous meetings just hopefully don't happen too often if they happen at all. And then when they do, we really try to understand, okay, how did, how do we come to this point where we're having this meeting? So I think intention around everything and the why behind the why and making sure that the meetings are relevant and people want to come to them because they want to contribute. They want to either help solve the problem or accomplish the goal and learn each other's contributions and build off them, right? Because I think they're excited. Oftentimes, envisioners are excited to get together to solve a problem or create something because mm-hmm. they know so and one envisioner might have some really great stuff that they can build off of, right? Nancy, do you have? Uh, did you want to say something else about what a really good meeting or a really good meeting story looks like? Yeah, I think a really good meeting is when people are clear on what we want to accomplish in the meeting, and then we walk away with even more than that. When people come to the meeting present, invested in the purpose of the meeting, and anxious to not only contribute, but listen to each other. And where it's a safe space, so crazy ideas, what might be perceived to one person that's offering it, gosh, this might be a crazy idea, but they feel supported and in a safe environment where they can, you know, share that crazy idea. And, you know, some of them might be, okay, let's park that. Yeah, that's that's a little off the, you know, I don't know how to rein that in to make it, you know, applicable, but let's keep it in mind and not be concerned with any kind of negative judgment right? Or harsh criticism, but rather let's get together and and share and and build something great from it. And, you know, sometimes, by the way, tangents can come up and those aren't always a bad thing. You know, we can park them and revisit later because they actually might be applicable to another important, Mm -hmm. important subject. So, you know, I think there's always kind of a multiple sides to things that come up in a meeting. It's really just honing them for productivity, time management, right? And effectiveness. But I think, yeah, probably the best meeting is when people come invested into the idea or the purpose of the meeting and each other and into the outcome. Oftentimes we come out of meetings like that better than we could have ever imagined. And then more things might stem from that. And it's kind of a perpetuation of good. I think those are the best meetings. I like it. I was listening to PayPal's director of innovation, who's a gentleman by the name of Michael Tedasco, and he's really interesting. And he was talking about the efforts that they make around innovation, including opening up ideation to the whole company. And so as a director of innovation, he rewards people just for the number of ideas that they put forward. And he had a lot of questions in this group about like, what do you do with the bad ideas? How do you prevent people from taking advantage of that um, reward system and just submitting crappy ideas. And I thought the whole thing was so interesting because, you know, the idea behind innovation is to bring things forward. And we can be much less concerned about the quality of ideas at the forefront, or rather at the first, we can whittle them down once we have them. To your point, they need to come out and you can sort of sift them and deal with them. But real innovation, from my perspective, often happens in these like, listen, I have what could be a terrible idea or an awesome idea. I don't really know. I'm just going to say it. And I agree. I think that's really important. And that's where a conscious culture we're so Again, I think that's kind of that's one of the foundations, which is, you know, a place where people can share ideas that might think this could be a bad idea, but in a trusting environment, safe environment, someone say, you know, I get where you might think that, but hey, it's not really. Let's look at it this way. Here's my perspective. You know, you have people with those 
diverse mm-hmm. perspectives. And oh, by the way, empathy for someone else's perspective, right? That's important as well. I think many of our perspectives are based off our experience. And so if you have folks with diverse experience, diverse backgrounds, you're going to (laughs) have different perspectives. And to have that genuine care and respect for someone's perspective, I think is really important. And empathy is a big part of that. But as you were talking about the director of innovation at PayPal, you know, I think that's interesting. It, it, here at, at Envision, people bring ideas when good, bad, when they see something that could be addressed, right? They're instinctively motivated, right? An envisioner is typically instinctively motivated, naturally curious, and certainly well-intended wanting to help. And from that comes ideas, good, bad. And again, the good out of the gate, wow, that's an obviously great idea. Others that, again, careful of attaching that judgment, bad idea. Hmm. I don't necessarily if it's bad. It's just maybe Mm -hmm. from your perspective, it is, but someone else's it isn't. And as we build from it, it could be the source of something incredible, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to understand a little bit more about his perspective and how they do that. We, frankly, it's, it's a natural event here just, I think, because of envisioners in our culture. Outstanding. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. We have really enjoyed hearing about Envision IT and conscious capitalism. And we're so excited to hear what you think of using the cards once they're in action. I am so excited for them. From what I've understand of them, it just brings a lighthearted self-awareness and other awareness reminders that keeps us on track, but does so in, in a way that makes it fun and constructive. And thank you, TableXI, for introducing them. We're, you guys are bringing such important contributions to the business world. I was telling Noel we're pretty excited about the uh, sticky note game, too, so... That's great. I think I have mine coming up maybe this week, actually. Uh, We couldn't be happier about the things that TableXI is bringing to the table and sharing for the greater good. Awesome. Thanks for being with us, Nancy. Thanks, Noel. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Meetings Done Right podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Inclusion Meeting Cards, order a set of your own, or find out about other episodes of this podcast, go to meetingsdoneright.co. That's meetingsdoneright, all one word, .co. You can also find out more about this podcast by searching for Meetings Done Right wherever you listen to podcasts. Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts will help people find the show. The Inclusion Meeting Cards and the Meeting Done Right podcast are produced by TableXI. TableXI is one of Inc. Magazine's best workplaces and a top-rated custom software development company on Clutch.co. Learn more about TableXI at TableXI.com. Meetings Done Right is hosted by Ashley Quinto-Powell and Noel Rappin and edited by Mandy Moore. Thanks for listening.